Hi, this is Rachel Collins, Principal Research Lead for Financial Management at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is part of a series on internal controls, where we wanted to answer some of the many recent and important questions that we've received on this key topic. I'm pleased to be joined by Chris Doxey, an author, speaker, and management consultant who is passionate about improving financial processes. Chris has extensive experience with transforming financial operations, implementing self-audit tools, and automating internal controls. In this chat, we'll talk through the three lines of defense and how organizations put them into practice. So without further ado, here's the chat. So in today's podcast, we'll be talking with Chris Stocksy, our subject matter expert for our new uh, internal controls study about the three lines of defense. And I wanted to start, Chris, by asking you, what are the three lines of defense and how in your experience do you see organizations putting them in practice? Again, great, great question. Um, the three lines of defense start with operational management. And, you know, in our previous podcast, we talked about having controls built right into your process, not have somebody else worrying about it. You're, you know, it's kind of in your DNA. So when you issue a check if, or a payment, if you're in accounts payable, you know right away that, oh, gee, I've got to think about, uh, is this going to the right uh, individual? So building controls into an organization is at that operational level, and that's all um, under the umbrella of operational management. The second tier is risk management and compliance function, and that could be uh, an oversight group like a compliance um, organization or an internal controls function. Many companies have a chief compliance officer, and that person is responsible for regulatory compliance, things like the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, uh, ensuring there's adherence to any money laundering uh, controls, know your customer controls. And, um, you know, and again, if you think about building um, those sorts of responsibilities into internal controls programs, we're really going to be in good shape. Also, there's a risk management oversight um, responsibility or line of defense in the second, the second level, the second tier. And that's where somebody is thinking about, okay, what can go wrong um, with my company? And what sorts of risk tolerance um, am I really thinking about? And that could be from a strategic level, compliance and regulatory, which we, we mentioned briefly, financial risk. Uh, do I have enough cash to be able to keep the company going? And then the fourth type of risk is operational risk. And then last but not least, the third line of defense is internal audit. And now what some companies do is they say, well, it's all up to internal audit. They're going to find the problems um, that that's, you know, the best line of defense. I don't have to worry about anything. Well, that makes internal audits responsibility pretty tricky. And it kind of blurs the line of independence that they need to have. And, you know, very key to think about separating those lines. Because if you start thinking that way and you think about the operational uh, line of defense, well, that's where it starts. You know, that's where it starts. Why, why wait to have a fraud or, you know, what I call financial shenanigan end up in the hands of audit if you could have prevented it yourself? And that's, you know, adding some accountability 
and again uh, changing philosophy in some cases to you know to um, the responsibilities of, of uh, a company. Uh, that's again a great question. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense, Chris. So moving from kind of the high level, if you will, about what are the three lines of defense um, to maybe some of the more granular um, nitty gritty here, how do you see organizations actually applying the three lines of defense in, in some of those end-to-end processes that matter? And you know, how do they operationalize the three lines of defense? Yeah, it, it's interesting because, you know, I've, I've seen a, obviously an evolution with um, Sarbanes-Oxley. Um, you know, I, I was involved um, in actually using the first COSO framework. So I think that goes back a, a couple years. And, you know, again, those are good models. And those are good starting points and very important to understand, um, you know, where you, you start implementing internal controls and how you apply those three lines of defense. And, you know, again, going back to a, a best practice, what um, we did, uh, you know, years ago at Digital Equipment Corporation, we said, okay, we want to implement internal controls at that first line of defense at that operational level. And how do we do that? Do we make up our own? You know, do we get some guidance from external audit or internal audit? So guess what we did? We took a lot of the um, audit programs that were used by internal audit and we modified them to fit the business process owners. And it was a great starting point. And then if we looked at, okay, that continuous monitoring, the activities, it really fit in with, with um, not only the three lines of defense, but kind of mapped back to COSO models where we're looking at communicating issues and, and what you know, we wanna do is find an issue before it gets out of hand. And, you know, so I became a pretty good fraud investigator because if you look at end-to-end processes, uh, it really, you know, starts with the operational level and the organizational level. And if you know your process well enough and you know where the holes are, um, you can find, you know, a lot of surprises and you can figure out, okay, how can I enhance my program? And, you know, again, if I'm doing any major changes, do I tell internal audit? But again, it's all about partnership and building the, the, uh, the relationships and the structure between those three lines. And, um, you know, again, teaming with internal audit. And when, you know, I was starting in my career, I actually spent uh, a couple years in internal audit. And we, um, it was almost like a report card. So it wasn't, you know, pass fail or good controls, bad controls. It was, you know, like a, a one rating to a five rating. So one was very good and five was very bad. So everyone was scurrying around. They knew internal audit was coming and they were trying to avoid that bad rating. And, you know, so internal audit had a role to do. But what we ended up doing was saying, okay, maybe not only give us, you know, the business a, a bad rating or a good rating, tell us what else we can do to improve. You know, take away that report card, you know, uh, type of environment and establish a, a good um, partnership to say, all right, well, you're good in these areas, but you need to improve and maybe this set of controls. And kind of a funny story, when I was in audit, I found some problems in payroll 
And um, I was actually part of a financial development program where we rotated. So I found some problems and I brought it to the attention of the director. And I said, oh boy, I'll never work in this organization. But what happened, um, I was asked to rotate into payroll um, as part of my final rotation as part of that program I was telling you about. And I was so shocked. And, you know, I, I said to the director, I said, well, gee, I found all these issues. He goes, that's why we wanted you to work here. So I spent four years with that, um, with it in that organization. So. Great. Thanks, Chris. And I guess the last question I would have on this topic to conclude is, any other lessons learned or advice that you would offer up to other organizations um, in terms of the three lines of defense and, and how you see that uh, at leading organizations put in practice? Yeah, and, and I guess my, my guidance would be one size doesn't fit all. Uh, it really doesn't. It depends on where the pain points are, maybe as a starting point. You know, where do you need to enhance, uh, you know, again, governance? Because what we're really talking about is, uh, as part of the three lines of defense is the governance for internal controls. And identifying where there could be weaknesses or gaps in those three lines and what needs to be improved. And, you know, I, I, I have seen several lines of defense besides the three. If you've got uh, also external auditors, if you're working to respond to a management letter, I, I've been involved in responding to court monitor, you know, types of issues. So it's, it's very interesting. It depends on the environment, the governance, and what types of, of um, issues you've got. And, you know, again, I think the major learning here is that you build upon your knowledge and you find a partner within the organization that can support you. And, you know, I go back to the early days of Sarbanes-Oxley, where you just can't run around like a crazy person and say, we must implement. You've got to have uh, sponsorship and having you know, that communication, that sponsorship and reporting results are really some of the key things. And, you know, having that understanding that there are foundational um, efforts you can take, and it's really building on those and, and maybe uh, adding in um, ethics and regulatory compliance as another line of defense as well, and building your own model. Great. Thank you so much, Chris, for your time today on this important topic. Okay. Thank you. This is Rachel Collins. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. We encourage you to check out Chris Doxey's books, The New Accounts Payable Toolkit, The Controller's Toolkit, The Internal Controls Toolkit, and The Fast Close Toolkit. For more insights, please visit apqc.org to see our new research collection on new developments in internal controls. Thanks again and have a great rest of your day.